on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, December 18th, last show before Christmas. Little break time coming for the podcast, which is always looking forward to, but we got a bunch to talk about. If you would have told me this morning that it was going to be a busy show, I would have told you you're crazy. And then I went through all my news, and I was like, oh, actually, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, Preston Judd no longer with the LA Galaxy. Going to talk about that. A big rumor sort of coming out of Argentina. Um, maybe Mary, maybe Paraguay, Argentina, that type of thing. We're going to see sort of what happens with that. We're going to talk about that rumor and tell you where it stands. Uh, we've got MLS roster rules. We've got Super Draft. We've got off-season calendar. We've got U.S. Open Cup. We've got schedule. There are so many things to talk about. We want to get to all of it. Uh, before we wrap it up before Christmas here and helping me do all that is uh, is Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, you, you hanging in there, buddy? Uh, it's not COVID. I know I don't have COVID. <laughs> I think it could be the Black Plague, though. Yeah, probably. You've been hanging out with too many rats bad. and fleas. Is that it? Yeah, it, it's something bad. <laughs> you, you must but have. Anyway, I'm sick. I'm sick. That's the point. That's, oh. what we're tra- that's, that's the point we're trying to make. I'm really sick. Yeah, so if you hear sneezing and coughing, it'll just be the latest noises that you hear from Kevin on oh, this yeah. podcast. It's nothing. Yes, no, you... you you will hear that. Good thing we're not in our, uh, we're not in the studio together, I, as we never were. As we never were. I was going to say it never really went that way, so I was, uh, I was not concerned about any of that. Um, how's other than that? How's your weekend? You just been chilling? You've been hanging out? No, I went to uh, Mexico national team uh, press conference and training on Friday. Then I was supposed to cover the game Saturday, and um, I, I noticed a lot of my colleagues in the media conference as I was coughing my way through it. Um, one woman said, would you like a bottle of water? That was like, <laughs> like a clue. Like I'm really annoying people. So I decided that it would probably be best not to go back and, uh, and perhaps uh, um, uh, infect my colleagues, certainly make them feel uncomfortable. And I did definitely didn't want to be around any players or coaches. Uh, so I decided to cover that game off TV and then uh, got some quotes sent to me in Spanish that I just translated and put in my story. Um, Edward Coich, uh, one of my colleagues helped me with that. So yeah, Edward's, I Edward's awesome, by the way. I like him way more than I yeah. like you, by the way. Most people do. Yes. Um, and then uh, last night, despite the uh, the sickness, we'd already bought the tickets. We went to a play, my wife and I. I wore a COVID mask for old time's sake. Just just so that way you could feel feel like you, like you did back in 2020, 2021, huh? You know what? There were a lot of people at the theater. I mean, it was it was an older crowd. Um, and, uh, whether that makes any difference, but uh, there were a good number of people wearing COVID masks. I know that supposedly COVID is, is having a rebirth. There's now another 
variant out. Um, and so, it, you know, I was doing it just because I know I didn't have COVID. I tested negative already, but I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to make anyone uncomfortable and didn't want to infect anybody. Right. I don't know why the other people weren't wearing them. Maybe they thought they looked really suave and sophisticated with the mascot. That, that's probably or it. Maybe they were going to go rob a bank. Uh, yeah, yeah, very. Uh, that also could be it. Um, I was uh, I was hanging out with four thousand plus of my closest friends this weekend. We had the train club and our Santa run and all that fun stuff. Um, I'll tell you, uh, I have I have some observations about. I, I was I was the person who was in charge of taking pictures and getting people up to see Santa and then getting them away from Santa and moving them along so that way we could do other otherwise. And uh, we don't have a count of how many people sat sat with Santa, but I have some observations. If you've never done that for any period of time, and I did it for. Uh, about four hours each day, basically that specific job was four hours, uh, almost straight. So it was three hours, a one hour break, and then one hour at the end. So we did four hours. I will tell you something that maybe you've never paid attention to. Uh, playing Santa Claus or being Santa Claus and, and having to give all this joy and all this stuff has to be one of the most physically demanding jobs where all you're doing is sitting I've ever seen. You get stepped on, you get hugged, you get pulled, you get leaned on, adults lean on you. Uh, by the way, people just hand you babies. They're like, they're like, here, can you hold my baby? We had several babies that were probably, I don't know, I think the youngest one we had was about six weeks old. Uh, six week old, brand new baby. Here you go, Santa Claus. Hold, hold the, hold the baby, which I thought was uh, was interesting. Uh, so to anybody who is friends with Santa, um, uh, thank you for all your hard work you do because uh, staying present with each person uh, and the particular group that I was working with, I know, I, I know them very well. Uh, Santa and Mrs. Claus are good friends of mine, and uh, they they were present with every child. And the magic that is sort of instilled in that is still in awe to me. Uh, at least what I thought. So. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. And then uh, the other sort of side view is that is some moms are ruthless, man. Uh, there were a couple moms who were like uh, the kid, the kid would go up there and, you know, like, oh, Santa, this is this is Caden Santa. And Caden has trouble listening to his mother all the time. And maybe he shouldn't get any presents. And I'm like, oh, good Lord, we're getting thrown into wow. the bus. You waited. But they waited like, you know, 45 minutes for a train ride and then another 15 minutes for Santa. Right. Like to, to do all this stuff and do it. And then mom just going to throw you under the bus. There was there were several of those. Um, that was uh, that was at the train club. I, I I appreciated the bluntness, but I thought maybe that's not Santa's problem. You know, maybe Santa shouldn't have to take care of that. Maybe that's yeah, right. Don't throw that on Santa. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and what does Mrs. Claus do the whole time? Mrs. Claus is the angel of Christmas that she is, uh, which is sometimes the the young ladies who visit Santa Claus feel more comfortable talking to Mrs. Claus than they do to Santa Claus, and so it's very nice. Oh. The pictures look wonderful whenever they do it, but uh, there's little moments in there that are that are truly if you if you believe in all that Christmas has to offer and the Christmas magic. There's there's definitely something in that and all that. Uh, my favorite kid, by the way, turned around, looked at the uh, the giant steam engine that we had parked behind Santa, which is about a $75,000 steam engine, right? He looked at it and he goes, I want that for Christmas. And I yelled out, Santa, put that one on my list too. So uh, that was my favorite kid of the whole thing. But yeah, we had a great nice time. Nice thing on Mrs. Claus because, you know, Christmas is sort of a patriarchal holiday yeah you know it's uh, and but but you guys sort of made it gender neutral i mean san mrs claus has been been out there for a very long time so don't just because you don't recognize mrs claus doesn't mean that she hasn't been peddling and helping santa for a very long time by the way shout out to matt i'm gonna go uh, over here uh, I would like to show you guys something that matt one of our listeners and and is a is a good friend of mine as well got me for christmas and i told my wife that she but she should not even bother getting me any, anything because this was the best Christmas present 
that I could have gotten. Oh no, it's upside down. That's even upside better. Down. That's there okay. You go. It's very hard to do this anyway. Uh, is that a number 29 Ferrari Mutatu name locker nameplate that's right here? I found him, guys. I found him. You guys want to know where he is? He's right here. I got him. Uh, so this is going in the COG collection of awesome thing. I have heard the hammer also has a nameplate that is very special to him. Uh, I think next time we have him on and possibly next week, we're going to have him uh, see that as well. But I I now am the proud owner of Farai Mutatu's uh, locker nameplate. And I'm thinking, like, is it OK if I keep this or should I send it to him? Like, what should we do? Like, does he want it? We, we're going to reach out. We're going to reach out. We're going to make we're going to make magic happen. All right. That's what we're going to do. So um, that's where we got. Right. That will, that will not be in use anytime soon at the Home Depot Center. Well, or, or, or Dignity Hold Sports. Yeah. 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 Any of those places, you know, uh, StubHub Center. And it, what, what are the other names that it's been? Um, all that fun stuff. So glad to have it. All right. Let's uh, get you onto this. And let me tell you something that's going to be happening as well. Uh, and at least as it stands right now, this podcast will be going to a very special place. And so I'd like to give you a little show readers. Don't miss your chance to join the most eagerly awaited soccer coaching event of the year. Get a special discount with our exclusive promo Galaxy 24 and you receive registration for $425. Experience the United Soccer Coaches Convention, an engaging five-day gathering of the soccer coaching community featuring live full-field demonstrations and enriching educational sessions. Uh, join thousands of other coaches in an event that's become a yearly highlight. Connect with soccer's elite, including Javier Zanetti of Inter Milan, uh, Laura Harvey of the of OL Reign, uh, Jermaine Jones of Fuego FC, uh, Leonard Griffin of Calmen Soccer, and Carla Thompson from San Diego Wave FC, among other renowned figures you don't want to miss seeing in person. Uh, are you looking to elevate your coaching expertise? Join the Advanced National Diploma Course when you register to Find your skills and enhance your coaching profile. Secure your spot at the discounted rate of $425 using the promo code GALAXY24. So the United Soccer Coaching Coaches Convention, Kevin, will be in Anaheim at the Anaheim Convention Center. And as of right now, we are scheduled to be there uh, coming up uh, here in January, right? So uh, a lot probably of fun. Probably because, probably because you read that promo because I, I watching you reading it and watching your eyes and somebody wrote that for you and that's probably if you do that then we get to go to the convention is that how it works uh, that is they yeah. there are some requirements that go along that way and that's, that's okay we'll back a little bit yeah that's fine that's fine uh it's fine with me but no i'm excited to go uh there's a lot of high profile guests so if you're interested in our galaxy our code is galaxy 24 for you all right so uh wanted to let get that out of the way now let's talk about preston judd um I don't know that anybody should have been surprised when the LA Galaxy uh, shipped him off to San Jose. We've talked about Preston Judd. He was not with the team whenever they had Billy Sharp, whenever they had Dayon Jovlich, whenever Javier uh, Chicharito Hernandez was injured and through that stretch, right? And it really sort of seemed that the Galaxy had moved on a little bit from Judd or, or basically it was like, hey, you'd be a great third or fourth option if we were going to carry a third or fourth option. But right now we're not going to carry a third or fourth option. And so uh, you're not really in the cards. That being said... Uh, the LA Galaxy get $200,000 in general allocation money from San Jose Earthquakes in exchange for forward Preston Judd. Um, that's $100,000 in 2024 uh, general allocation money and then uh, $100,000 in 2024 uh, general allocation money. There's also performance metrics that can be reached for another $50,000 in 2025 general allocation money. So, I mean, top line, $250,000 for, for Preston Judd. Here's why that I'm sure uh, San Jose thinks, I think, Kevin, that they got a good deal is for about $250,000 if it all comes down to that and they don't have to lay the cash out all right now. Uh, they get a guy who has proven he can score in Major League Soccer. And if you're looking at the San Jose Earthquakes, who are always 
a little scrappy, right? More underdogs, Kevin, than just the, the flat-out stars. Doesn't Preston Judd sort of fit their makeup almost perfectly? Like, whenever you think about his sort of personality and where he's coming from and drafted by the LA Galaxy and played, but the whole deal, to me, it seemed like it, it's a good fit for San Jose. No, it doesn't, and it's a, it's a good fit for him because he gets to move on. I mean, he had been sort of put in a box here. This is what he can do. This is what he can't do. As you said, he's the third or fourth option. I think he probably thinks I'm a first or second option. Um, and was he was probably never going to get that chance here. So, uh, you know, with the Galaxy. So I, I think it's a good a good move for him to go up somewhere where he can reinvent himself. The one thing I kind of don't like the way the MLS offseason unfolds is you kind of have to make, it seems to me, you have to make roster decisions in a backward way when in, in compared to other sports that you have to get rid of guys before you have signed the replacements. And, and this is one of those things. Um, was Preston Judd going to start 34 games next year for the galaxy? No, but he was a guy that was a useful, you know, tool in their toolbox. They moved on from him and they obviously thought we're going to be able to replace him, but they haven't signed that replacement yet. And that's what I mean is it seems like you have to make your roster decisions. You have to get rid of your free agents. You have to make that determination before you can really then start signing players. I'll say that, you know, I, I, he was low cost, right? So for the Galaxy, it seems like it was Will Coons sort of generating the cash, right? And you're right. You do in MLS sort of have. It's funny because I think the Galaxy down to 19 players now on the roster. And you're like, don't they need players? Aren't they going to sign players? Like, no, 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 you have to shuffle it all out. So that way you understand what you have before you can sort of come back, right? And you're talking about the general allocation money. Uh, look at Raheem Edwards and the money that that generated, right? And so all this stuff sort of adds together to give you a chance at going after what you need. And and. Let's not put it like the Galaxy don't know what they need and probably don't have targets. In fact, we think that they do have targets for what they're going after, but that's going to take time. They have to put that together. And so while you're putting that together, you also have to move these pieces. Excuse me, whenever you get a chance, right? So that's sort of what I'm seeing uh, from this. It, Preston Judd, it, the, here's the thing, and I, I think I want to warn Galaxy fans is that there's a lot of upside on Judd, especially on a team like San Jose. I could see him being a very good player for San Jose for the next like five, six years, right? And it might be annoying and people be like, oh man, they could have had him. And it just, it doesn't fit the Galaxy's MO or at least in past the Galaxy's MO to sort of rely on somebody like Preston Judd. Whereas San Jose, he might be first off the bench coming in. He may get some chances to start, right? And, and do all these things. And San Jose is going to get to go out and sort of talk about how they got him for $200,000, right? So it's going to be a value buy for San Jose. And I think it's probably the safe bet by the Galaxy saying, you know, yeah, there's a chance he could develop into something. But where is he going to get the playing time being we have this sort of stacked up? Um, I'll also say that this does open up, I think, a spot for a veteran player to come in for the LA Galaxy. It's not the 200,000. That's not enough to get the veteran player that you want to get in. But if you were a big fan of Billy Sharp, if you look at Raheem Edwards and how much money they sort of got with that, and then the money they have in this, right? You can do those things. Um, and possibly that's where they're going to look for that veteran. I still think there's a veteran backup striker role available for the Galaxy right now. But yeah, like you said, you have to be patient. I mean, the Galaxy are going into this offseason with with Will Kuntz and Greg Vanny knowing what they want. I think they, not only do they know the position and the makeup of the person they want, I think they have names and clubs and all that stuff, but they had that three or four years ago, whatever it was, three years ago with the French connection. And remember those guys came in over time. I think the last, I didn't think all four pieces were here until June. And then 
you know, a year after that, they really wanted Pavone and they couldn't get him. And they had to, at the last minute, they, they transitioned over and got Douglas Costa. And, and he, you know, he was not here at the beginning of a preseason. And, and Greg Vanning's already said he wants everybody here. So th- that, again, is sort of that step backward nature. They made the decision to move Preston Judge. They think they, they know what they're going to do with that money in that spot. But if they can't get it done by February... You know, season. We think the season's probably going to start in late February, last week in February, like it did last like year. Like it did last year, yeah. Yeah, if not, you know, mid January for training camp. If he's not, if the guy's not here mid January to late February, um, you know, it just again, just the way that MLS signings, a lot of a lot of these guys are probably going to wait to the January transfer window, right? A lot very of the good. targets yeah. are going after. Yeah, very well could. By the way, Lasso's optimism says you know a return ticket for Sharp. I, I'm not going to say that, right? And I don't think any. I don't think any bridges have been burned. I know people would like to pretend that they have. I just I just don't think that. Um, and so I think there could be. And I felt like when we had Will on last week that he sort of left that door open a little bit. It wasn't fully open. It wasn't. But the door wasn't fully closed either. It was sort of like, hey, maybe maybe he would be back. Right. But that is the type of, I think, veteran role that the Galaxy are probably going to look at. I Again, you know, from people I've talked to, I think Jovalich is going to get be your starter on on day one. And so if you're going to rely on Jovalich, which I think is a gamble at this point, but the Galaxy have put some money into him. They believe in him. I believe last year was probably a, a combination of things, which was, uh, you know, people not, not having the right players around him to get him the ball where he needs to be. But it's it's also that that Galaxy team last year seemed to miss those opportunities a lot. Right. Um, so I. You know, I'm also interested to see Jovlich because I was very much like, hey, it doesn't seem like he has it anymore, right? That that sort of fire that he had. And I think there's a lot of people who say, oh, well, he's great as a sub and, you know, but he's better as a, you know, he, he's better as a sub than he is a starter. And mostly the goals and the goals per game are about the same, whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench, just looking at last year, right? Uh, throw out that first year and sort of what he had. I think he could be really, really good. And if he's really good for the LA Galaxy, um, and they go after two DPs, and we're going to talk about sort of what they might be going after uh, with all that. If they go after two DPs uh, that are wingers and people who have a chance that, that somebody who can maybe be a winger and a striker at the same time, um, so you can sort of have a backup there. That way you can go to two strikers whenever you need to because um, you know how much Greg Vanny loves playing in a two-striker system. Um, if they do that, I think that there's going to be enough flexibility in there that, that Jovalich could be the star. And if if they're right, if they get it right, then Jovalich at his cost, at his at where he's at, is a great deal for them, right, Kevin? I mean, you're going to get a you know probably a sub DP player for that, that could score goals at the rate of you know a designated player, that type of thing. So the if you're going to win. Uh, and you're going to invest money, then Jovalich has to be good for you. Otherwise, it's a wasted roster spot, right? And he's taking up a U22 slot right now as well. Um, so that's that's also a positive because that U22 slot is being utilized, I think, pretty pretty well for him. So Yeah, we'll talk about that U22 spot and how that's changing in the future. But I, I, I think the Galaxy probably are approaching this the same way you are. Like, you know, it's Jovalich's time. Let's give him a shot. But we're not quite ready to bet the farm on him just yet. My guess would be that one of the DPs, as you said, would be a versatile player. Greg Vanny really likes that versatility, a guy that can be yep. a winger and a, and a striker. Um, I, I think that might be uh, part of the profile they're looking for. But, you know, a lot of times when you go and you talk to clubs and, and you have your sights set on one guy, the club will turn around and say, well, what, you know, what about this other guy? Yep. If the Galaxy are presented with an offer for a legitimate striker, I, I, I think – I think they're where you are. You know, if they get presented with an opportunity for a striker to make sense, I don't think they're going to say, no, our guy is Jovalich. We're going to stick right. with him. 
I think they're going to say, yeah, that's probably a good idea. We should probably get that guy if we got a chance. Well, and there's also there's rumors going around, and I think pretty fairly substantiated rumors that the LA Galaxy turned down a, a significant amount of money for Yovelich, basically. Somebody wanted the, wanted Yovelich, and they're like, no, we're keeping him. Um, and the Galaxy have him on a... You can either call it a bad contract or a good contract, but it just depends on whether or not he performs, right? It's one of those where the the contract is is expensive and can be expensive, but whenever you look at the U22 guidelines and sort of how that fits in, it's not a horrible contract, and he could be a really valuable player, but he has to do it. I would also like to point out the LA Galaxy, uh, I think at the beginning of last year, also were telling everybody how much Efrain Alvarez was going to have his breakout year, right? Didn't he get the number seven shirt from Robbie Keane in the offseason, right? And they had a picture, it was like one king to the future king, and they like did that. I don't know if that was the actual caption, but it feels like something they would say. Um, and they went that way. So, you know, the Galaxy threw a lot in behind Efrain Alvarez and eventually sold him. Uh, you know, halfway through the season. So just understand things change. Things don't work out. You have all the best intentions. Um, you know, Greg Vanny said about Jalen Neal at the start of last season that he was like, oh, well, we're going to get him some time. We're going to, you know, but we want to develop him. We want to bring him in. And then Jalen Neal went out there in the preseason and had, a, and yes, the Galaxy got scored on a whole bunch and the whole deal, but Jalen Neal had solid preseason. And you're like, oh, and then there were some injuries at the beginning of the year. Jalen Neal started playing and then he played so well that you couldn't get him off the field, right? So there's always surprises and disappointments, I think, every year. And Jovalich is going to get the most pressure. This will be the most pressure Jovalich comes in on than, than he's ever had. This is, this is a yeah, yeah, but but there's positive to that too. As you know, I'm a big believer in the mental side of the game. Uh, and Greg Vanny knows Jovalich better than, than we do, better than anybody else does probably. And, you know, Jovalich, when he came in, he was behind Chicharito the whole time. It was like, Chicharito's our guy. Mm-hmm. You're the caddy, period. We don't care how many goals you score uh, in, in training. Chicharito's the guy. That's the horse we're riding. Jovalich never had a chance. Now Vanny's essentially turned around and said, you're the guy. We got rid of Billy Sharp. We got rid of Preston Judd. There's don't look over your shoulder because there ain't nobody there. It's you. you. Yeah. And I think maybe Vanny feels like, hey, this is the way to get the most out of him. Well, the other rumor challenge him, challenge him. Absolutely challenge him. And and he's also playing in a in a chess tournament, I believe. Um they were they were promoting that as well. Remember, Jovalich is the highest rated professional soccer player in chess, uh, in the world, right? So in the world, highest rated chess player that's also a professional soccer player. Uh, Dayon Jovlich, so he's off doing that, which is always interesting. Uh, it's such a chess is such an interesting. I've been watching some live streams on TikTok of like chess tournaments, and I don't, I don't know chess. I, I've never learned how to play it, but I find the tactics and just when at the highest level of all these like set games that you like, you use these different tactics to do things. I, I don't know. Is it similar to soccer in that way that it's sort of like I have this 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 trunk of things that I could do. And it's like, if I do this, then these guys know I'm going to do this, right? Like my guys know that like, it's sort of like set plays that you're stringing together in order to make something, but there's variables that are constantly changing. There, there might be some parallels there. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Um, but anyway, so that's interesting. Here's the other rumor that goes on there. Now uh, we've talked about uh, Miki Yamane, um, which is uh, the Japanese right back uh, that uh, Will Kuntz said he went and visited in Japan. Um, that was on our show last week. That's a five-star rumor. We still haven't heard any update on that one. That one could all fall apart, right? If he doesn't want to come, if the money's not there, if it's not right, that could fall apart. But as of right now, we think that there's a pretty good chance that one gets across the line. Uh, the newest one is Ramon Sosa. This one from The Athletic, Tom Bogert, and I believe Paul Tenorio were both on this one. Um, four stars there and there. I've talked to some people, and it's always stupid. When The Athletic reports something, and it's Tom and it's Paul, it's true. Okay. You don't have to like, ah, but yes, it is. I did talk to people. Yes, it is true. Um, and so they're going after uh, Ramon Sosa, who's a right winger, 24 years old. Uh, he's from Paraguay. He's playing in Argentina. 
Um, and so this is the guy that they sort of want to go after, right? And this is an interesting one. Now, the rumors have been that perhaps this is going to be a club record. The LA Galaxy paid $9.5 million for uh, Chicharito whenever they got him, right? $9.5 million was the highest transfer fee the Galaxy have ever paid. They're talking about, for Sosa, uh, more than $9.5 million. So they're looking at the record for that. Now, uh, apparently, uh, his club has sort of set that at... At if I if I read the tweet correctly, Kevin, they want fifteen million dollars, and everybody said sat there and said, "Oh, well, the Galaxy probably need to walk away from that. There's no way they're going to pay fifteen million dollars." This is called negotiation, people. Especially whenever you send a number out into the out into the world, you're negotiating. You're negotiating through the public. Uh, so you know, look at it's somewhere between nine point five million and fifteen million, and it's probably closer to you know twelve million. It's probably closer to eleven million. It's probably closer to ten million than it is to fifteen million. Um, How old is he? Twenty four. So he's not a U twenty two. You know, again, for all the criticism Dan Beckerman takes on the show, especially for me, he'll spend. And uh, 15 million might be a little rich, but as you said, negotiate down a little bit. I don't think he has to get under 10. I don't think he minds setting a record on this for a couple of reasons. One is I think he hired Greg Vanny because he thought Greg Vanny was the best coach at the time. Mm-hmm. And Greg Vanny's in the final years of his, of his contract and he needs to produce. And Dan, Dan Beckerman wants to help him. The other part of that is he just hired Will Koontz. Yep. And it would be stupid to hire a guy like Will Koontz and then just say, no, we're going to handcuff you. You can't do what you want to do because we're not going to give you the money. Dan Beckerman does spend money. So uh, if if everybody feels like Ramon Sosa is the guy they need, I can see them breaking the Chicharito record. I don't think they go to 15. I think that is a little rich, but I don't, I, you know, 11, 12. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Dan Becker and AEG and let's give credit to AEG where they deserve it. They have not been afraid to spend money. Right. Except for that 2017 thing where they told us they were going to spend money, but they didn't really. But then they did. But it wasn't it wasn't like it was it was like emergency spending. But let's talk about they're not afraid to spend money. I could see them setting a new record for this if it's 13. Like Dan Beckerman isn't going to lose sleep over five hundred thousand dollars. It's one of those things, right? It's a five hundred thousand or a million. Let's what makes the deal get done? Um, I do think that they're going hard at this. I do think that Sosa could be a really interesting player to add to this roster. Uh, his stats say that you know, he's he's not a horrible player at all. In fact, he's a very good player. But you are talking about a guy, Kevin, you're paying 15. Let's let's pretend for a second they're paying 15 million dollars for him, right? You're talking about a guy who isn't worth 15 million dollars. In fact, if you looked at transfer market, they sort of put his his worth at about seven point one million dollars, six point eight euros, seven point seven point one million dollars. Right. Um, and that is projected more on what's possible from him not what he's currently doing, right? Because he's young. And uh, I think Will even said it. You're looking for in your prime guys. This is going to be a guy who develops and goes into his prime with the LA Galaxy. Uh, If you go out and get him a winger who crosses, uh, who can play, who can score, who can do all those things, but he's he's more a playmaker than he is anything else, It's which is an interesting take on somebody you're going to spend DP money on. Now, you said correctly, um, you know, we sort of look at the young DP rules and all that stuff. Let's for a second drop down and talk about rules because it will affect the LA Galaxy, okay? By the way, um, I want to get this right, Uh, but uh, Sosa has uh, scored 10 goals and 7 assists and 35 appearances, uh, 2,608 minutes total across all competitions with uh, Tayeres. Is that how you say it? Or or I don't don't know. It's in Argentina. Um, I'm sure somebody will correct me because I'm always wrong on that anyway. Um, But that's, that's what we're seeing from this. Again, a very real rumor, Kevin. A very real rumor. We, we waited for real rumors to pop up. We've had two now uh, in, in pretty rapid succession. So um, that's where the galaxy. Now, 
let's go down and talk about the Board of Governors and their new sporting initiatives. If you know and you've been listening to this podcast, we've been talking about, one, fourth DP, two, uh, decoupling the U-22s from the DP rules, right? We were talking about changes that were coming, and lots of people were expecting bigger changes or a more aggressive Board of Governors uh, because with Messi in the league, they sort of wanted to take advantage of Messi being in the league. Okay, that's fine, cool. What we got instead was basically nothing. Um, and Paul Tenorio, even it, to tell you how quickly things can change, especially around the board of governors, Tenorio actually had reported that there was another initiative that was sort of out on the table. And I forget exactly which one it was, but that never even got voted on. It never even got brought up. So one of the things that he wrote an article about that just days before the board of governors meeting ended up not even being brought up to the board of governors and didn't happen. All right. So that's what we're seeing. We're looking at, uh, what, changed and what didn't change well let's go to the roster and budget guidelines first and then we'll go back to uh some of the other stuff that is there um the roster and budget guidelines basically say that the discovery that they're getting rid of two more discovery sl slots right nobody really cares about that they were seven everybody's gonna get five except for san diego who's gonna get theirs to be available from january 1st 2024 to through the 2025 roster compliance date then they'll be reduced down to five so they'll get seven and five discovery lists are go sort of going away more more and that's good because it was stupid saying that oh i discovered this person wasn't like you know messy on a discovery yeah, list I, I, yeah i discovered cristiano ronaldo mm -hmm. it's wow, a what a scouting department you have it's a bad name for mechanism that mls put in and it's not a you didn't discover anything you're just you're you're sort of calling dibs on people and you're allowed to call dibs on a certain number of people as long as nobody else has them and you're allowed up to five of those and that sort of gives you the right to negotiate with these people um you know on those lists right that's what they're doing here okay um, here's the, uh, here's the other thing that sort of came in general allocation money for designated player transfers following the transfer of a designated player who meets the TAM eligibility parameters. So basically a designated player who is TAMable. All right. A club may now elect to receive a portion of the transfer fee as general allocation money. And previously that transfer alone revenue for designated players cannot be assigned as general allocation. So you couldn't use it as jam if you, if you sold them for, you know, a fee of some sort. Right. So. Uh, that's a little different. It's great. Fine. Whatever. Residency deadline for a player to be considered a domestic player in the applicable season. Residency must be established or the player has to have appeared for an immigrant visa interview by the opening of the secondary transfer window, uh, which is an interesting uh, way to sort of uh, figure that out. So that means that you cannot be, you know, not have the, uh, you know, a green card basically in the league. Uh, before that secondary transfer window. But if you're applying for it and you're expected to get it, does that mean that you get to figure out what your residency is? That you get to say, oh, well, my residency isn't going to be an international player? Well, it doesn't seem like that's the rule. It seems like you're able to change it leading up to that secondary transfer window. That's sort of what it, 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 it pops up there. But what is not on here, Kevin? Because this is the entire list. So what is not on here? No fourth designated player, which we kind of knew wasn't going to happen, right? And then no U22 rule change at all so that means that if you're the la galaxy and you're going after sosa the galaxy now need to have a young designated player and a senior or restricted as they're called designated player right and with those two spots uh, available if they want to have three u22s then they need to do that now there are two u22s on the roster currently you have julian alde right and dayon jovalich uh, we were talking about Jovalich and being on a U-22 and all that fun stuff, right? So that's sort of where, like, oh, he's a U-22 contract, which is, which is important. 
right, for the Galaxy and how they do the roster things. Well, now what we're saying is that the LA Galaxy, if they want to have two senior restricted designated players, they're going to have to move Jovulic to a non-U22 contract, which they can do, right? So, but it then has to follow the rules of whatever uh, whatever designation you're going to give him. Maybe it's a TAM designation, right? You're going to you're going to target allocation money for for Dayon Jovulic. Maybe he's just going to get a standard uh, standard roster designation on a senior slot, and you're going to use general allocation money to pay down whatever's whatever his transfer fee and everything else sort of was. And I don't know if you don't get to count that transfer fee now that you brought him in under U22, or if you have to count the trans- transfer fee as part of it, right? Because U22 has unlimited acquisition costs, so you don't have to count transfer fees. So once he's brought in, can you then move him over to another one and not count the transfer fee that you paid the first time? Lots of really interesting questions. But bottom line is it means the Galaxy have decisions to make now, Kevin. Young designated player and a restricted designated player to go along with Ricky Pooj. And Ricky Pooj will be a full or restricted designated player. I'm going to say this because people want to keep arguing with me. He is going to be a full restricted designated player. He's not going to be tamable. You cannot buy him down. He will be a... a and, and the reason is he has performance metrics in his contract that basically said if you have a certain number of appearances, and I don't know what that number is, then you're going to get paid more money. Not as a bonus. This is not a bonus. Your contract actually adjusts, right? So this is a contractual adjustment from year to year, depending on appearances. And I think his contract tops out around $3 million. So, uh, so you're not going to be able to TAM Ricky Pooch. So he's a full designated player. If you get Sosa... I believe he's going to be a full designated player as well because I don't think he qualifies for young DP, which is 23 or younger, right? Um, and so because of that, he's a full one. So now you either have to go out and get a young designated player or you have to do something with Jovalich. Right? <laughs> well, on all that, you lost me at the part where you said, welcome to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast yeah. because that stuff is way too complicated. And that is, I think, a huge problem with MLS. Fans, I mean, you know more about this than just about anybody short of Will Coons. Uh, Normal fans cannot follow that, and they don't know where the team is on a lot of these things. It, the way you were going through that it was like that shell game. You know what? Which uh, shell is the P under? Um, it, just moving stuff around, and uh, this this happens on alternating Thursdays, but on Friday afternoons, this rule takes takes effect. Yeah, it's just way too complicated. I get it. Uh, I always enjoyed it. So to me, it's not complicated. It's just a matter of that the LA Galaxy have a lot of options to weigh. Understand the complexity of what they're trying to do. Understand what Will Koontz is trying to do right now. Which is why he's there. Remember, he helped write some of these rules. Yeah, so you can blame him for his own mess. He, you know, in, in discussions I've had with him about just complexity of roster rules, he's more on the keep it simple uh side of things than he is on oh i like the complexity i think i think he would rather not have all this as well i think most chief soccer operators chief chief soccer officers sorry cso's um general managers would prefer them not to have to go through all these machinations of what happens and i can't even what would the spreadsheets look like that these guys have and are they just spreadsheets are they just doing it on excel like me and everybody else where we're like oh this guy is this much and he takes up this slot and we have this many slots and this many players and blah 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 and understanding the flexibility that can go around all of those things right so um I, you know i agree with you uh how it goes but understand that it doesn't matter if you're confused um and it doesn't matter if the fans are confused uh, all you can hope is that the team isn't confused and there's misinterpretation of rules all the time so you have to have like a referee who comes in here as well and is like this is how we're interpreting these rules right there's gray areas around everything so um this is not easy but- but but it, it does matter to a sense for the fans. Fans are really into it. You know, in, in other sports, even sports with like football with salary cap, 
you can say, hey, my team can go out and get a quarterback and they have this much to spend. And this guy over at the Cleveland Browns, that they could get him and move him in. And you could play general manager and you could sort of reconstruct the team the way you want. And then you can call the GM an idiot because he didn't do it the way you did. Right. With MLS, you know, you and maybe two other like, uh, um, you know, you know, people with IQs of 170 can do that. No. Um, I don't think the normal people can do that. And and I, I do think that hurts a little. You, you, you're kind of forced to sit back and watch the team that's assembled. Not you know, Part of the, the, the fun of being a sports fan is helping assemble that team for your general manager who's not listening to you anyways. I'm, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I, in general, though, what I mean when it doesn't matter to fans is that it doesn't matter whether they get it or not, right? Yes, in the grand scheme of things, that's important. But the MLS really doesn't care. I want you to know they don't care whether no, you get no, it or not. No. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the being opaque uh, the way that they are often um, is is a strategy for them sometimes, right? Certainly. But I don't think that that's the strategy for GMs. I don't think that's the strategy. I think trying to explain why... You, see, we don't understand. Like, a lot of people might have been upset that Raheem Edwards got traded away, right? And then what I immediately do is I go, how much money did you get for him? Okay, what was the salary? Oh, well, by the way, you just opened up $750,000 of cap space by moving Raheem Edwards and getting the cash that you did. Those are the types of, the, if you don't look at that that stuff that way, and by the way, I will say this over and over and over again, it doesn't matter which player you get, you have to know the contract, the contract length, and the contract amount before you can ever analyze whether or not it's a deal or, or no deal. This the, the, My favorite one right now for the LA Galaxy is Eric Zavaleta. You cannot complain about Eric Zavaleta. He makes no money. All right. And he is a decent enough center back that he's your fourth or fifth string. You can complain all you want. It just doesn't make any sense. If you had to go out and find somebody else for that slot, you're likely not going to get a better player for that amount of money. So in terms of the deal, it makes sense. You're like, yep, that's that much money. He plays this way. That's cool. Preston Judd made this much money, a little bit of money, right? He outperformed his contract for the LA Galaxy. Absolutely did, right? Outperformed his contract. Now it goes to San Jose, where not only is he going to get probably more minutes, better chance, but he's going to get a chance to develop better than he's going to. So for him, it's a good move. For the Galaxy, they get $200,000 in basically guaranteed money, $100,000 and $100,000 that they can use, and you don't know what Preston Judd or how Preston Judd is going to develop in your system because you're likely not going to play him. So, Well, you said no one likes these rules. You know who likes these rules? Guys like Will Kuntz, maybe you, Garth Langerway, Bruce Arena, guys that have made a living. I don't want to say manipulating those rules, but under, like a good tax accountant understands where the loopholes are and how to take advantage of those. Um, it may not work out. The Galaxy may not win MLS Cup this year. Garth Langerway's Atlanta team may not win MLS Cup, but those guys understand the rules. And they are they have jobs for life because they do understand. The yeah, I mean, the complexity adds to the expertise. Right. And maybe I that's why I've sort of enjoyed the roster rules. I used to you remember we used to go talk with the L.A. Galaxy. We go to press conferences and we'd ask certain people questions about the rules and we'd be like, I don't know. Go ask this guy. Literally yeah. executives didn't know the rules. And I'm like, but I do because you can't do this. You have to do this. Oh, well, go talk to him. He knows. Right. It's like, oh, yeah. OK, are we, are we not going to ever figure out those rules? Like, don't you think that everybody in the front office that happened, that happened a lot under a former president whose name was on banners flying, flown over the stadium? I wasn't going to uh, get gonna that answer a lot of times. Yeah. By the way, uh, more evidence that MLS does not care about the fans happened with the U.S. Open decision, which we're going to talk about at some point. Yeah, we but are. That was definitely another thing. Well, I want, to, I want to get to the new competition initiatives that they got as well. I also want to get to the Super Chat. Uh, Eric gave us a $10 Super Chat. Uh, he says, Luis Suarez going to enter. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Inter-Miami, that's what it sounds like, right? 
Um, I, I don't know that he's, I don't know that he is or isn't, but it certainly seems that way. As far as I know, yeah. in, in the peripheral that I'm paying attention to Miami and what they're doing, he's going. Um, well, all the old, all, all old retired people wind up going to Florida. At some that's point, that's so. how it goes. That's, and you're, you, you, you lived in Florida, right? I did. I was going to say you're from Florida, but you're not from Florida. You just lived I'm in Florida. From here, but Florida yeah. was like living in a foreign country, but was really close to the U.S. Yeah, I can see like that. I get good Wi-Fi reception, but everything else was like a foreign country. I gotcha. Uh, Eric, uh, by the way, says happy holidays as well. Follows up is Suarez going to enter. I'm glad. I think Eric paid $20 to ask that question twice, so I appreciate that. Uh, $10 super chat from Patrick. Uh, COG, your MLS roster experts. Don't put the S on there. Kevin has no idea. I have to explain no, it to him no. all the time. He, nope. He yep. calls me. He's like, what? So tell me about this roster. Why does this make sense? Why do you like this? Why don't you like this? That type of thing. So we talk about that. Um, the other part of the board of. You know, governor- what's scary about that, though, is what? I'm not learning anything. Yeah, I know. You explain it it's in one ear, not the other. And I ask the same question. Do, I should ask the chat room. Do I explain it? OK, do you guys get it? Like, I try to tell you the restrictions on the different roster slots and how that affects it and what the L.A. Galaxy will have to maneuver in order to like. So Jovalich, right? If you're going to keep Jovalich on the roster uh, and you're going to and you want two senior DPs or restricted DPs, let's say the Galaxy want to get all three. DPs are as senior or restricted DPs, right? So um, that means you're only allowed to have one U22. If you have uh, three uh, senior DPs, you're limited to one U22 player. Well, the Galaxy have two. So you need to have to move Aude or Jovalich into a regular contract if you were going to have three restricted. And then that would allow you to have one U22, three restricted uh, or senior DPs, and then you would move Aude or Jovalich to just a general contract. It would be outside that U22 initiative. Here's what I would say about your presentation. There's two ways to do it. One is talk slowly, like you're explaining it to your mother, uh-huh. um, which would allow us to understand it. But the other part is just talk through it because even if you go slow, we're still not going to get yeah, it. And there are a few people that are close enough that when you go through that, it, you know, then then all, all the holes are filled in for those people. For the rest of us, it's like you're speaking uh, Lithuanian. We're just okay. not getting any. Okay, other. Patrick goes, yes, you explain it well. We're just a little slow. <laughs> I understand. I get excited. Some of us are stopped. I get excited and fired up about roster rules. You guys know that. Um, yeah. Let's talk about competition initiatives that came out, right? The off-field treatment rule is someone that now this one's this one's kind of crazy, Kevin. I can't wait to see this in action. Actually, I'm I'm by the way, I would just like to say that of everything that is coming in here, I am very a hundred percent in for all of these. I like the chaos and everything that it's going to cause, and I can't wait. Uh, the off-field treatment rule allows medical professionals with time uh, to assess and treat players off the field to play in a less pressurized environment. Environment, eh, sure, you can say whatever you want. If a player with a suspected injury remains on the ground for longer than 15 seconds, do we get a clock? Like, can there be a clock somewhere that's at 15? Does VAR, can you challenge it on VAR? Right, can you challenge Exactly. He's that guy. If they are on the ground for more than 15 seconds, the referee will stop play and wave the medical crew onto the field to evaluate the player. When safe, the player will be mo- removed from the field and remain off the field for a minimum of... Two minutes. Your team will be playing down for two minutes if it takes you longer than 15 seconds. Now, does it start like when you fall down? So like some of the guys who do the death rolls, did the death rolls already count as them staying down? Or does like when he comes to a rest? And if so, can you keep rolling to make the clock not not stop at 15 seconds? And what if the referee is looking the other way? You get like a free three or four seconds. Is this like the Maybe other- he's going to come in like a, like a boxing referee. You know, it- 10, 
It, oh, wow. Right? No, I mean, I would love it. Yes, please. All of that, right? And, that would be cool. And, like, it, is it going to be, <laughs> is it going to be like the NFL? Like, you know how, like, whenever the play clock winds down, you still get a tick after zero, right? Like, it's like three, two, one, zero. Okay, you got the snap off. Like, it's like gonna, there's going to be this little wiggle room in there. Is it completely up to the referee to count? Like, who's counting? I want to see his clocks. I want to see all of this stuff. Um, but it's re- but then you'll be off the field for two minutes, okay? Um, they said that it was implemented in MLS Next Pro midway through the 2022 season and continued through the entirety of the 2023 season. The off-field treatment rule has allowed medical staffs time to treat players while also allowing match play to resume quickly. Uh, there are exceptions. Uh, basically, instances of potential head injury, goalkeeper injuries, or serious medical events and fouls resulting in yellow or red cards, all right? So if you are red card chopped down, uh, you don't have to pop up in 15 seconds. Okay, so well, and what about that two minute thing? Don't they have to wait for a stop and play to wave a player on? Can they wave them on? They, they don't. Play? They don't have. I mean, they wave guys on all the time during play. So I think they're okay. I think I I, I understand. How about this time substitution rule, which is similar to this other rule, maximizing effective match time. The time substitution rule requires that a substituted player exit the field within. 10 seconds. Can we get another clock? Can we have multiple? Ten, 10, 9. nine are our supporters groups going to start counting fast? Like, are they going to 10, 9, 8, 7? Oh, you know, they went off. Is that going to? I cannot. I am so excited. Failure to exit from any point on the field within the 10 seconds. What if you're in the very center of the field? Do you have to sprint to the line in order to get? Like, Apparently. <laughs> What if you don't see the substitution? Like you're not, your back's turned. Do you still have, what if you see it and you got three seconds left? Like I'm, I cannot wait for all the craziness. And what's the penalty if you don't make it off? If you do not make it off, the person coming on has to wait for one minute, 60 seconds before coming oh, back oh. into uh, the game. And during the holding period and prior to the substitution, the team will play down a player. Wonderful. Oh, so much fun. Get this. Enacted in MLS Next Pro during the 2023 season, 99.7% of the more than 3,200 substitutions were completed in 10 seconds or less. This is going to be eye-opening, Kevin. We're used to guys slowly jogging. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming to the game today. We're winning. Thank you over there. Let me wave over here. Do the whole thing. And it takes, you know, 30 seconds. And then it's supposed to be at stoppage time. Does this mean we're going to see less stoppage time, Kevin? Because... It, they're telling me I'm going to see less stoppage time because they're saying we're going to move things along faster. You know, if, if I'm a coach, first thing I do is I go over this with my players like every day during training camp. And then I, I, I appoint someone on the bench, maybe not a coach because they're already busy. Right. But somebody, a trainer, or the backup goalkeeper, there's somebody that needs to, with a clock, be monitoring this. Yep. Um, because you have a chance of losing, you know, playing a man down for multiple minutes. If you screw that up late in the second half, what if you're, what if you're trying to make a substitute at the in the 95th minute and there's only one minute left in the whole day and then you're playing down? Oh man, I can't wait. So much fun. Okay, uh, in stadium VAR announcements. Thank you, sweet Jesus. Uh, all that is wonderful and holy in this land. Pending International Football Association Board the IFAB approval. VAR decisions will be announced by the referee to fans in stadiums and viewers at home. Are you ready for this? Be like the NFL. It's no goal because it didn't go completely across the line. Thank you. That's what, like, you know, you're going to get the whole thing. Have you seen the NHL referee who adds drama into his calls? He's like, uh, I forget what his name was. I saw a TikTok of him. But he was like, he was like, number 23, 
five minutes for fighting, right? Like the whole day. Oh my God, I can't wait. So let's see which referee has some flair, but also giving us those announcements. Stoppage time clock, scoreboard, video boards, and or stadium clocks will run until the completion of each half, including any additional time at the end of either the first or second half. Thank you, sweet baby Jesus. As reporters. So we're going to get to see the stuff. Well, not just us. Yes, but but I mean, for us specifically, let's talk about it. Screw everybody else, Kevin. For us specifically, I'd have to watch it on the TV in order to know how much stoppage time. Well, are we in the... And then you have to add the 30 seconds for the delay that happens between the broadcast and everything. So you're always trying to guess how much time. It's going to be in stadium. You're going to look up at the board. You're going to see it. And whenever they say there's seven minutes of stoppage time and it's, you know, 95, uh, 59, you're going to be like, we are almost there. One minute left, right? Like the whole deal. You're going to get it. Finally, finally, it's going to happen, Kevin. We are almost there. Um, so I like that. And then uh, return to play equity, opposing players that simultaneously incur head injuries requiring off-field treatment who are subsequently, subsequently cleared to return to play will return to the game at the same time once both medical evaluations have been completed. So if you have two guys who bump heads, they have to both come off because they're being evaluated for head injuries. One cannot come on until the other one is also cleared on as long as they're both allowed to be cleared back on. If Once they're both cleared, like, yes, you can both clear, then they can come back on. But okay. basically... Yeah. That that rule is going to be abused. I can oh, tell you right now. Well, I mean, you, you're, it does. I don't think there's no advantage to it, right? But the bottom line is that I think they want to make sure that they have the independent medical assessor, right? There's that independent concussion protocol guy who works for the league wants to look at this guy and be like, "Let me see your head. Okay, you're good. Now you wait. I'm going to go check on this guy. Okay, you're good. You're both cleared to play. Now you can both go. Right? That's what I think well, is going to happen. Here's what I think happens: Eric Zavaleta is sent out to collide with Lionel Messi. And they both go down, and Messi's cleared to come back on, but the doctors, ah, we got to run another test on Eric here. He's not ready. <laughs> but we that, but that doctor, that doctor's not a team person. That doctor is an independent physician for MLS. So just remember, this, there's, there's, it's harder. I'm not saying it's going to not be abused. I just, I think it'll be fine. Yeah. I think that one will be fine. So anyway, those are those roster rules and things that are uh, on that. Um, I want to get to MLS offseason schedule because we have the MLS draft, but we also want to talk about uh, the U.S. Open Cup as well. So uh, the re-entry draft first stage one actually happened on Thursday, December 14th. Um, nobody cares. No, seriously, nobody cares. Nobody cares about the MLS Super Draft that's coming up either, but we're going to talk about it here real quick. Uh, Tuesday, December 19th, which is tomorrow as we're recording tomorrow. on the 18th. Yep. MLS Super Draft 2024 presented by Adidas. That's 12 p.m. Pacific time on MLS season pass. All right. Now. Let's talk about the Super Draft real quick. The Galaxy don't have a first-round pick, Kevin. Uh, they were going to get the fourth overall, but that was traded to Colorado Rapids whenever the Galaxy acquired Michael Barrios. Okay, now Barrios was acquired with only the first-round draft pick. That was it. Um, so I know there's going to be people who second-guess this whole thing, but Barrios at first-round draft pick was fine because, uh, I'm sorry, there's just... there has the last college player that, that, that has made an impact for the Galaxy? The last one that came through the draft. Um, I mean, they had that defender back in the early I mean, 2010s. I don't know. Chat room. Um, there, there was a defender. I can't remember his name now. I remember he was a center back. That was around like 13, 2013, 2014. Um, played a lot of games because there were some injuries. Uh, it was from, I think, a Big Ten school. Now I think he's playing in the USL oh, championship. Oh, oh, uh, uh, Tomas, Tomas, uh, something, blah, blah, blah. Uh, somebody will get it here. They, they'll get it. I know who you're talking about. 
Uh, that may yeah. have been, maybe, I don't know, would you say he actually made a real impact? I mean, I go back to when was the last time you actually had star players came from the draft for the Galaxy? It was probably AJ Delgarza and Omar Gonzalez. I think that was yeah, probably it. Yeah, same year, right? Yep, picked the same year. Also college teammates, the whole deal. So that was that. So the Galaxy don't have a first-round draft pick. Uh, the Galaxy do get to pick fourth in the second round, 33, 33rd overall. That's the natural selection. Um, Tomas, T Tomas, no, oh God, it's right on the tip of my tongue. I'll let you, yeah, we'll figure it, they'll figure it out, like I said. Uh, so that's there. So uh, Galaxy get fourth in this, the fourth pick in the second round, which is the 33rd overall. That's their natural selection. They also get to pick 17th in the second round. Uh, Hilliard Arce, that's it. There you go. That's mm -hmm. it. That's, that's it. Was, it was Tomas Hilliard Arce. Yep. They got, I, I, I was trying to figure out what the, I knew it was two names and I couldn't remember what it was. Thank you guys. Uh, yes, I guess possibly that was the last time. Uh, Galaxy picked 17th in the second round, 46th overall. This was acquired in a train trade from Nashville uh, for $50,000 and Nick DePew. All right. So whenever Nick DePew went to Nashville, this is the pick that the LA Galaxy are getting uh, for the 17th pick in the second round or the 46th overall. And then the Galaxy have one pick in the third round. Here's the thing. Only the first round is going to be televised on MLS season pass. So you don't need to watch tomorrow if you're a Galaxy fan, unless you want to know because the Galaxy don't have a pick in the first round. Uh, they get two in the second round and one in the third round. Um, and that's it. And we'll see. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Galaxy pass on the third round. Uh, they seem to have a history of doing that. So I can't wait for don't, Super Don't you have to pay something if you pick a player? Isn't there like $50,000? You may. I, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't heard that rule in a while. I don't know that there's there's anything there anymore. So, um, we can we can certainly. Because otherwise, I'm just wondering why you would pass. I mean, just name the player. I mean, unless there's some sort of cost involved. Who knows? I mean, you know, Mike Piazza was drafted in the last round of the baseball draft back when it was 53 rounds, and he's in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, just pick a guy, and maybe you 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 find the next you find soccer's Mike Piazza. But if there's a cost to it, then yeah, don't don't yeah. spend the money because it's a real long shot. It is. <laughs> I mean, I think the idea is the Galaxy are always like, these guys aren't going to play, so we don't want to give them the, the hope that they are, right? Um, I actually have a list of Super Drafts somewhere in one of my collections of all the Super Draft picks for the LA Galaxy since they started doing the Super Draft. Um, so that would be an interesting one to sort of go back and, and see. Uh, it, it's not going to be why this is not going to be a huge thing. The MLS Super Draft has gotten less and less and less. Now, one thing is you can pick underclassmen this year, right? So it's not just the 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 senior classmen. Uh, it wasn't just the juniors and seniors in college. You can pick all the way from freshmen, sophomore, juniors and seniors. So that opened up the player pool. I think MLS gave everybody about eight weeks heads up to, to start scouting the, the the younger the younger classmen. So that could add some interesting twists in the super draft and everything that goes on. Um, but that will be on MLS is a pass if you want to watch it, but I doubt anybody will cause they're They're also going to have the MLS super draft tracker, Kevin. So you can go on the tracker oh, and, wow. and watch your picks sort of come in that way. I don't know, whatever. Um, not a big fan of that. You know what, you know what MLS isn't a big fan of, as you've already alluded to the U S open cup, Kevin. Uh, yeah, that was another thing. You talked about the, the Tenorio story about the board of governors meetings. All things happened Wednesday. That apparently was also uh, decided Wednesday. MLS did not announce it until late Friday. Right. I mean, really late Friday. It was a Friday, um, Friday it, news yeah. dump. Yeah. The, it's, you know, a typical thing happens in the news business news that you want buried. You dump it late on a Friday because it, it'll go unnoticed. This one didn't go unnoticed. A lot of people are upset about that. Um, including me. I mean, I, now what's going to happen is uh, MLS teams will not participate in the U S open cup. The U S U S uh, MLS next pro teams will, which, Raises all kinds of interesting possibilities. What if a MLS Next Pro team wins 
uh, U.S. Open Cup, do they then get to go play in the CONCACAF Champions Cup? Because the winner of U.S. Open Cup is supposed to do that. It also raises questions. There are rules and guidelines right now that says um, that any team uh, or a first division league must, by rule, play in all of the co approved competitions in CONCACAF and U.S. Soccer, or sponsored by the U.S. Soccer Federation. This tournament was one of those. If MLS does not participate, do they lose their, you know, Division One status? Do they have, then have to drop down? Um, Garber, Don Garber, the commissioner of MLS, has wanted to kill this for a long time. Right. Um, by the way, he had, it was announced so late on Friday that the U.S. soccer people who had to sort of respond to this, they were all at their holiday party. They had no idea this was coming. Um, so Don Garber's wanted to kill this for a long time. He doesn't like U.S. Open Cup. He doesn't like the fact that uh, MLS teams do not participate in any of the marketing, cannot make any money from this. Um Apple TV did not want to televise it. In fact, the Leo Messi uh, um, documentary that was on Apple TV deleted all of the stuff from the U.S. Open Cup, despite the fact Messi and Inter-Miami made a long run of the tournament. So uh, what MLS is saying is that the the uh, fixture schedule has become too crowded. Well, and, and it has been. You know, LAFC played 53 games this year. A couple other teams played right around 50. Those were all records for MLS. The reason that this fixture schedule is so crowded is because MLS added League's Cup uh, and added some other competitions. Campione's Cup, it's a one game, but it's still a competition. Um, it, it, you, what I love about sports is their tradition. You know, you don't talk to, about plumbers and, and attorneys as this guy is the greatest of all time and he's cleaned more pipes than anybody in the last five years. Sports is about that. You talk about the tradition. You talk about the records. Uh, U.S. Open Cup has been around over 100 years. It's the longest uh, you know, continuous running soccer competition in the country. It's our FA cup. Um, there's a lot of history there. Um, just to wipe it away with one fell swoop. I, I don't like it. I mean, I think, the, and I like the David, David and Goliath aspect of it too. Sure. LAFC played against the galaxy last year with a bunch of, uh, um, Academy players. That's fine. Teams can do that. Other teams in MLS might want to go out and try to win the U S open cup as Houston did this year. It was a big deal for them. Um, Orlando a couple of years ago. Um, I, I just don't like the fact that they've just wiped away the, the tradition. They did it kind of in an underhanded way. They did it on a Friday night without much discussion. Um, we haven't heard much from MLS since they did that. I, I hope they don't get away with it. I don't know what the answer would be. I think League's Cup is a kind of goofy competition. I don't think League's Cup is going to be around much longer. I really don't. I think there's too many flaws in it. You, but you're talking about what, something that they think is going to be a huge financial success and probably was last year for what it was. Now, they admitted that they're going to have to tweak <laughs> things, but basically what they're telling you is that they would rather get the money from League's Cup, which they control, than going and playing in U.S. Open Cup, yeah. what they don't, right? Right. Financially, it's a great decision because Apple wants to televise those games, and mm -hmm. they're the ones with the $2.5 million media rights deal. They want to televise those games, but there's a lot of problems. The Mexican teams complained about having to play all their games in the U.S., traveling around the U.S., uh, flights stranded, hotels not available, fields not available to train on. There were a lot of problems in the Mexican side of things, not so much on the MLS side, which is why we didn't hear a lot about it, but the Mexican clubs were very unhappy, and there were some clubs talking about, we may not go back next year. Financially, getting rid of the Open Cup and replacing it with League's Cup, there's a lot of reasons why that makes sense. But does every decision that this league makes have to come down to finances? Yes. Sometimes yes. can't we just have a good decision, nope. a good soccer decision? Nope. Nope. I mean, ultimately, ultimately go back to, and by the way, we're going to get to the super draft. People are throwing out names. I actually brought up my list of super draft players. We can go over some of them so we can talk about it. 
But just go back to the Board of Governors decisions. What did they decide to do whenever Messi came into the league, Kevin? Nothing. You know why they decided not to do anything? Because with Messi in the league, he was only there for about 40% of the games at the end. They're not sure quite how much financial impact that's going to have. They see it as being a really high thing, right? This is sort of what I believe the reasoning, and I've heard people have this discussion. They, they think, oh, he's going to have an impact. But if he's going to have that big of an impact, then why do we really need to do much or change much right now? Let's see how he goes through this whole year. Let's see what the impact is there. And if we need to adjust things, and quite honestly, I could even see them adjusting something in summer because summer is a time of change for MLS with transfer window opening and the summer transfer window being so big, right? When you go about those things, there could be changes in doing it, right? Um, so it was... For me, yeah, it's it's all financial. I mean, they're looking at that decision as a financial one. Let's not spend any more money. Let's not, you know, decouple the U22s because you guys have enough money. To, we're, we're fine. They did not expand rosters. They did relatively little to help this, this, this schedule congestion that they have. They also created the schedule congestion by adding Leagues Cup and adding an in-season tournament. All the things that they're trying to do there. They're doing all this and all this stuff is based on money. And when you're looking at guys who are putting down $500 million for for a, a franchise right now, I mean, if you're the owners, this is not from the fans' perspective. That's not right. We can't, let's sit for with the owners. This is my money. I'm spending my money. I'm doing this stuff. Then I'm going to make decisions based off of the, what, of the financial return that I can get. And they see a huge return coming for uh, Leagues Cup and being in with uh, with League MX and all the things that they're doing, that's where they see the big return. They do not I, see I it in the U.S. Open Cup. I absolutely, and I don't disagree with what you said regarding the messy thing. But I would, if I were part of that board of governors, I would look at it the other way. Of look, we got a once in a generation player. He's going to be gone in a year and a half or two years. Uh, we have an opportunity here to make some structural changes while people are watching. Right. Instead, you're right. They they just decided to sit back and say, we're just going to ride this messy guy. And when he leaves, we'll address it then. It's too late then. I think they need to make the changes now. They have the eyeballs on them. Mm-hmm. People watch the games for in, in, in you know Istanbul. They're watching MLS games to see Messi. If you can get them to watch the league, when Messi leaves, they'll keep watching. I don't think, I, I don't think that's the philosophy right now. I think the idea is... And they said this, you know, the MLS people said this at Colum- in Columbus at the MLS uh, Cup game is that they had their biggest year ever. And all of the Apple TV games that drew over a million, by the way, television coverage of or ratings for the MLS Cup final LAFC in Columbus were down like 35 mm-hmm. percent. Um, but they did get a number of games with over a million viewers on Apple TV. Plus, all those games were Miami games. That tells me that people are tuning in to watch Messi. You have to do something to fix the league so that people want to watch more than Messi after he leaves. Um, yeah, I, I will say this. It, when you look at U.S. Open Cup, and while I love the competition because it has the history, right? And because you can go back to, you know, the 1920s and you can go back to Bethlehem Steel, the Fall River Marksmen, or or all of the ethnic teams, right? That sort of had... L.A. Maccabi, the most successful team ever. One of the one of the most, absolutely the most successful. So, like, those, it's they have that history there. I will say this. The U.S. Open Cup has been poorly managed in terms of how it's promoted and everything. The fact that it was on, C- by the way, where was U.S. Open Cup going to be held? What wasn't that CBS and Paramount, right? That's who had it, right? What does Apple do? Apple says, oh, well, you know, you're not going to get those games. We're not because they're not going to be playing in them. By the way, I want to clear it up. We were clear at the very beginning. MLS Next Pro. So the LA Galaxy's academy team, basically not the academy, but the professional arm of the academy, the development league, sort of the reserve league of Major League Soccer. 
MLS Next Pro, they're going to be playing in U.S. Open Cup, right? So the LA Galaxy will have a representation as the MLS Next Pro. Now, there was a lot of turmoil just getting the LA Galaxy to MLS Next Pro because there were several people in the LA Galaxy organization who wanted nothing to do with MLS Next Pro. Dennis DeClosa was very adamant that he didn't want the teams there, uh, that he wanted them playing in USL, which was a much better level of competition than what MLS Next Pro is and and sort of where it stands. Now, we'll see how that develops, but they're going to be playing in the US Open Cup, so those will be the MLS representatives. So, right. And if you wanted to do that, like LAFC clearly did, they played their what would be their next pro teams in their, their two U S open cup games. That's fine. Right. But I, I just think the teams should also have the opportunity to, to give young players some playing time. Yep. Maybe it's a hybrid team with some guys off the first team roster who haven't gotten any playing time. I mean, we used to see a lot of galaxy guys like Jonathan Klinsman would start those games and, and guys that didn't get a chance. I think the first time we saw Dan Jovalich was in one of those games. Um, so you got the opportunity for those guys to play in some of those games. I thought that was really good. Um, uh, maybe this uh, on the flip side, maybe this will be a chance for the USL championship teams to shine. Yep. They will become the teams playing deep into this tournament. Maybe they, they get to go to CONCACAF, cha- uh, uh, you know, champions cup. Maybe that'll be good. But you talked about the history. LA Maccabi uh, was a team here in Los Angeles. Obviously they made seven finals. They won five titles. Both those are records, the seven finals and the five titles. That was a team founded by Israeli expatriates and Holocaust survivors. Mm-hmm. Yet one of their star players was a guy named Eric Braden, who was an actor. He he played um, a Victor Newman in Young and the Restless. His dad was a Nazi Party official. He can't. He didn't know that when he moved to the U.S. He didn't know his father's history. Find right. out later. But here's a guy. A team started with Holocaust survivors. One of their star players. His father was a Nazi. Um, and are you just, saying are you saying you don't get stories like that anymore? I wrote a story about these guys in 2019 uh, about LA Maccabi and the history. And, and I remember Eric Braden saying that um, because of his complicated background, he'd be playing in games and opponents would call him a dirty Jew or a dirty Nazi. And he'd stop and say, which one am I? I can't be both. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's, it's, it's super interesting. Just uh, the history of that. I, I would also like to say people pointing out, you know, the, the, whenever MLS left USL, right. That was a power move by MLS, right? Basically MLS was saying, Remember, MLS invested a whole bunch of money in USL. As a matter of fact, USL grew because MLS basically had all its teams playing in USL and doing all those things. And so it was sort of this partnership. Well, eventually it became clear that USL wanted to move in a different direction, possibly go to promotion and relegation, although that has not been implemented, I don't think, well, um, or will be implemented well within that. I think that's a very dangerous thing to do to a league that is trying to develop itself. A lot of people like that about USL. The problem is now USL is becoming more or less independent from Major League Soccer and gets to make its own decisions, right? And so whenever they do that, that means they're going to do things within their own best interest and not in MLSs. That eventually could lead to a possible first division, first division setup, right? Where USL says, well, we're launching our own first division because we're doing it this way and that's how we're going to do it. So we're going to have competing first divisions. I I know Alexi Lawless said this, and I know a lot of people don't like Alexi, uh, he said, hey, maybe th- maybe MLS should go out and buy USL. And a lot of people were like, that's crazy. That's never going to happen. Number one way of getting the way that you want whenever you want it is to buy them um, and do what you want with USL. And that means you can keep it as a subdivision the whole entire time. And then you don't have competition anymore. Buying out your biggest competitor is like number one rule in, in we're the big dog on the street, right? If they're going to be rising up in USL. Now, this is USL's big chance to make the US Open Cup something. Will it be something, though? 
Uh, certainly with MLS Next Pro teams playing in it, it's going to lose some of its luster. Listen, LA Galaxy fans never showed up to US Open Cup games. They got them for free. They would show up. It would be a middle of the week. There would be like six, 7,000 people there. Very rarely did they really show up in, in any sort of numbers for these games, right? So They used to play them in the track stadium. They used to play them, which, by the way, I always enjoyed. Um, it was always a fun, different environment to do it. But yeah, that's where it was. U.S. Open Cup, because it's a U.S. Soccer Federation property, U.S. Soccer has sort of treated it as a redhead stepchild. They could have done more to make sure that it was more high profile and, and a lot of things. They didn't want to spend the money on it. Maybe they don't have the money on it. Maybe they think it's it's a losing thing. But certainly, if you're looking at the internal politics that are at play, you have MLS versus USL. You have Apple versus CBS and Paramount. These are big boy games we're playing right now, right? They put on your big boy pants and get into these. Everybody's launching little wars at everybody. So let's see how this plays out. Maybe this won't be a forever decision. I actually like U.S. Open Cup games. So I am I am one that I enjoy the history and I would like to see it do, see it come in. So let's see what happens now with U.S. Open Cup. Does it die? Because a lot of people are certainly signaling for it to be die, dying. So I think Soccer America wrote an article uh, today about why MLS is wrong. Uh, about um, the U.S. Open Cup as well. So super interesting to sort of pay attention to, though. I, I love that stuff. You, you're absolutely right. The finances, uh, it's led, you know, you could make that decision in your sleep. But I'm just, I, I, you know, from the fan side of me, the financial decisions aren't always the right decisions for the game. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I think that MLS will lobby the U.S. Soccer Federation. However, they assign the, um, the slots for Champions Cup and all that stuff. They very well may lobby to have the U.S. Open Cup uh, slot taken away for if you win it, you go to the the Concacaf Champions Cup, right? So, which is the Concacaf Champions League, the CCL? Just they change it to Concacaf Champions yeah. Cup because they do that every ten minutes. Um, so yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised to see that lobby take place as well. So uh, MLS will do everything possible to make sure that USL doesn't get a leg up. Again, we're we're talking about battles going on here. This is just it's bigger than the US Open Cup. It's USL, it's MLS, it's TV networks, it's all that stuff that all play into this. So uh, an interesting little uh, microcosm of the war that is sort of going on outside of soccer and for soccer relevance in the United States. So um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that as it goes. Uh, I will say that there was a possible leak of the LA Galaxy's game, maybe one of the first games the LA Galaxy could play. Certainly it's in the, um, uh, let's say, the latter half of March, and we're sort of expecting that the, that the as it did last year, it starts at the end of February. And so this could indicate that uh, this particular leak came because of Sporting Kansas City's full home schedule basically says that they'll open at home on March 23rd against LA Galaxy, which means they could be on the road for the first two or three games, right, um, for, for Sporting KC. Uh, but 323 at Sporting Kansas City is a possibility for this. And so that's one of the first roster leaks that have sort of uh, come out. Uh, Kevin, we were brainstorming last week uh, about uh, some of the things. And you you caused the uproar of the 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 thrown away little uh, motion or notion that you had that you were sort of like, hey, I heard some stuff and I want to talk about the stuff that I heard. I don't you know, it was sort of like, I don't know if it's 100 percent true, but it makes sense that it would be right. The whole deal was we were talking about uh, the big games the L.A. Galaxy could sort of be playing. Right. Yeah, I've, I've fleshed out some stuff. I found some people talked to me in Columbus at MLS Cup and then I came back here and talked to some people in Southern California and I have to be a little bit careful because I can't remember who I talked to that said, you can't use this publicly yet. And I, who I talked to who said, it's all fine. Um, so I'll be a little careful, but the roster comes out Wednesday. So we'll know the, everything. The schedule, Wednesday. the schedule, the schedule comes the out. Schedule, on, yeah, excuse yeah. Me, uh -huh. The schedule comes out Wednesday morning. We'll know everything then. Um, but basically what I do know is that uh, there will be a July 4th game uh, at the Rose bowl um, that, that came from MLS. 
Um, it, it People are talking about who the opponent might be. Might it be uh, Inter-Miami? We don't want uh, – I don't think MLS would want that Inter-Miami game at the Rose Bowl because that would be in the middle of Copa America, and there's a good chance Messi wouldn't be there anyways. Um, most likely, the July 4th game is going to be LAFC. I've heard from some people that that game, as you know, did so well last year, 82,000-plus, that MLS would like to make that – uh, a traditional game, a July 4th game at the Rose Bowl. Um, and, and just like the, the Galaxy have always had that July 4th fireworks show that would continue, it'd be at the Rose Bowl. And you you were telling me something about, uh, I think, something in the Pasadena paper. Yeah, about so that. in October, there actually was a vote by the, by the Pasadena City Council, or at least they were going to take a vote. And basically, it was in agreement to uh, basically enter in a contract with AEG for a game once a year to be held at the Rose Bowl. Now, uh, down in the, is it the Arroyo Seco is what they call that area uh, there? Yeah. They can only have hold 15 events without city council approval. And then any event that comes above that would have to be get city approval. And this is one, basically, this would be the 18th event that would be held. Uh, in the article, they said they didn't know if it was going to be July 4th, but that there was a July 4th game that got 82,000 people. And so they were basically set to uh, enter in. They said it would basically guarantee that the Rose Bowl organization would make $300,000 whenever they they do this like I think that's either a fee that gets paid or, or somehow they they guarantee three hundred thousand dollars for that Rose Bowl. So that was in there. Now, it didn't say how the vote went down. And sometimes city councils pull stuff into executive session for that stuff. So that way you don't know exactly what happens, at least not right away. And so maybe they were ready to enter into negotiations, didn't want to sort of say what happened, but they were ready to vote on that and say, hey, this is what's going to happen. We're sort of we're going to do a Rose Bowl uh, uh, game uh, again. It didn't say what time of the year it was but last year july 4th with the fireworks seemed pretty successful very successful as a matter of fact for mls so i'm not surprised if mls goes back to that well again uh, and makes that july 4th game well it makes a lot of sense aeg is already doing business with the rose bowl for that summer tournament with the european teams tom braun put that together a couple of years in a row um very successful uh, they've already opened a dialogue both sides trust each other um, the July 4th game went so well last year. It is a traditional date on the Galaxy's calendar right. with the unbalanced right. schedule until San Diego enters. There will be three games with LAFC this year, probably. I haven't seen the schedule yet, but that's my understanding. One at B at BMO, one at uh, Dignity Health Sports Park. Leaves a third one. Go to the Rose Bowl. It, it makes sense. That's the only opponent the Galaxy would have other than possibly a Miami game with Messi. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of people were wrong. speculating on that too. And I would, and, and that's, I, I don't, I wouldn't put that. It's not automatic that I would think, oh, well, the Galaxy are going to, although when you think about what you could do in terms of the amount of tickets you sold, you could probably sell more than 82,000 tickets if you have Messi playing at the Rose Bowl, but probably less to the LA Galaxy's advantage than you'd want it to be. It's a lot of people who want to see Messi play, right? We anticipate the schedule will again, like last year, the final week in February. Remember, it didn't happen for the Galaxy because they got that game, which was at the Rose Bowl, rained out. Um, but the schedule probably open at the end of February, I was told by uh, an MLS person. And so, so okay, so if Galaxy plays LAFC and that Inter-Miami date doesn't work because Messi will be a Cup America anyways, will the Galaxy play Inter-Miami? Well, we know that... Um, the Galaxy only plays a certain number of Eastern Conference teams a year, and they don't play every team every year, uh, and it's a home-away thing. Galaxy have played Miami twice. Miami came into the league in uh, 2000, what, yeah, or two, 2020, right? 2020 came in the COVID year. They were supposed to go play them that year, and they didn't. It was March 14th. It was going to be Miami's first ever home game in Fort Lauderdale. The Galaxy were going to go play that game. That game was 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 called off because of COVID. They never made that trip. The only other time the Galaxy played uh, Inter-Miami, 
they went there. That was in 2021. I remember Chicharito scored a goal in that game. That game was in Miami. So they played my they scheduled to play Miami twice. Once once the game actually happened, it was in Miami. Right. Point is Miami's never been here. So if you think Miami might be coming, that's probably a pretty good bet. They haven't played them in two years, and Miami's never been here. So that might be a, a good bet that but, Leo Messi might might wind up on the Galaxy schedule somewhere. We'll find out Wednesday. By the way, Field of Berm found it. The city council measure passed. It stated, authorized the general manager to negotiate and enter into a license agreement with AEG to host one soccer match in July 2024. Wow, you got 31 days to pick from there. I wonder, I wonder which day it could possibly be, <laughs> yeah. right? So, uh, anyway, that's where we're uh, where we're at with that. So, that's an interesting one. Uh, one more thing that sort of comes out whenever we talk about is there was a possibility, not just a schedule leak, but possibility of a kit leak. I'm going to show this wonderful square of all these kits showing Adidas templates that are coming out, and one of those is the LA Galaxy. I implore you to head over to the video portion of the podcast if you're looking at this. But what you're seeing in this blow up and it's a rough one because I had to zoom in. What you're seeing is a blue and yellow uh, diagonal stripe that comes across and underneath the crest. And then on the outside of that is more like rainbow colors of thin stripes that sort of exude out from that. Right. They radiate out from that from either side. It's almost like an echo effect as it fades into the gray on either side. Now, the really interesting part about this kit is that right in the very center of the chest, uh, to the left over the heart is the LA Galaxy crest. To the right is the three, stri three stripes Adidas logo, right? And then in the very center is the Olympic logo. Uh, that's right. The Olympic rings are in there. The Olympic rings with the stars and sort of that that general feeling. Now, we know the Olympics are coming in 28, right, Kevin? Is that what it is? 2028? Yeah, 2028. Okay, 2028, the Olympics are coming in. So... Uh, now, I, of course, talked with some people and said, hey, is this the kit that uh, we're thinking about? And basically it was like this. That's not this year's kit. That's what I've heard so far. I would be very surprised if there was Olympics on the on the uh, on the kit on the kit for something in 2024 when it's still four years away in, from from coming to L.A. I, unless they're going to play a game in Paris. Maybe that's what they're going to do. Oh, great. You figured it out. It's a big it's, <laughs> it's it, we've we figured out exactly what it is. Um so what you're looking at here is is a mock-up, and and a lot of times these come three, four, five years in advance, and that would kind of make sense for a 2028. Maybe it's a concept that they're sort of playing with that type of thing. I, from what I can tell, this isn't. I by the way, I actually enjoy that. I know some people. You said it was busy, and I agree with you. It is yeah. busy. I kind of like how it looks. I, I again, I don't think it's going to come to fruition anytime soon. If it is indeed coming to fruition, um, and I don't have any guarantee of that either, it could just be a mock-up that they were sort of doing. Well, so, do you like the Olympic logo? The Olympics will be in Los Angeles. It's not like the World Cup that traveled around the country. It will be in Los Angeles. Do you think the Olympic logo look, should be on the Galaxy uh, uniform that season, twenty twenty-eight? It's an interesting thing to sort of play around with. I, I, I kind of like it, and the reason I ask that is because then what should we do? I mean, the World Cup is soccer in twenty twenty-six. The World Cup is coming to the U.S. Should the Galaxy right. have a World, uh, a World Cup representation? And on one hand, you can say, well, no, it belongs to the entire country. It belongs to three countries, actually, this time. But it's looking more and more, and I, I, was, a, I was a doubter for a while, it's looking more and more like SoFi will be a World Cup city. We don't know what games they'll get. I mean, they didn't. I, they thought, got I thought they were saying that they weren't, but now they are again, or this is all well, part no, of the negotiations. Yeah. I'll try to talk you through briefly because we're pretty late into this thing. But um when I saw Copa America said, yeah, so far we're going to play two games there. We're going to play two group play games right. at SoFi. Uh, one of them is Mexico. I, I'm sorry. I'm sure Stan Kroenke is very happy with that. But they couldn't do any better than a group play game in the Copa America, and they really want the World Cup final. Right. Um, well, 
the argument was Stan Kroenke is going to lose millions. He can't have any summer concerts. He's got to do a lot of renovations to the field, uh, to SoFi, to have a World Cup game there. He didn't want to do that. He didn't want to spend the money um, unless he was going to get a decent game. Maybe the U.S. opener, maybe a quarterfinal, maybe a semifinal. And FIFA was basically saying, look, your stadium is too small. You can only get 70000 in there. Um, the field is too small. you got to right. do a lot of renovation there. Um, so that's they were at loggerheads. There was a meeting with FIFA officials and representatives of the World Cup venues. That was in Mexico City earlier this month. Apparently, SoFi sat down in a side session with the FIFA people. They hugged and kissed and made up. Everything's fine. Now we're back uh, back to, to page one, back to square one. LA, LA looks like it will get a game, but we don't know. And when you look at Copa America, um, were there financial considerations made to Stan Kroenke saying, look, we really can't do anything better than a group play game, maybe a quarterfinal. We'll help you with some of the renovations or something like that. Maybe there was some kind of decision made there. But it does look like a game will be coming to LA. I wouldn't expect the final or maybe even a semifinal. I think something group play, maybe a quarterfinal. Could be could be interesting to watch. Okay, so we'll we'll, we'll take a pay, pay attention to that. Um, yeah, it just uh, by the way, chat room is is pointing out that is that could be indeed the 1984 U.S. Olympic logo on there as well. It was, it, uh-huh. it was. Yeah. So but so what is that? Is that a throwback? Is that a throwback to the 1984? Are they are they like oh we're honoring the 1984 Olympics? I but again, why would you do that? On I don't hate it. Again, I don't hate it. I just want to understand it. Just just tell it to me. And by the way. Well, can we also just agree that not everything has to have a story to everything? Can we just, it, sometimes it could just look good. I, I knew that was the 84 logo. My thought was that was a placeholder. Like, you know, we don't know, we don't know the logo. We don't know the LA logo. Let's, yet. let's use the so 84 one. Gonna go. Yeah. Um, the other thing would be, it's a 40th anniversary Jersey that we'll use in 2024. MLS didn't even exist back then. Why have an anniversary? It, it's like putting I, Abraham Lincoln's picture on there. I, I, I just, I want to talk out both sides of my mouth. Explain it to me and maybe I'll like it, but not everything needs an explanation. I want to, I want to be both those ways. Uh, your MLS super draft first round picks. Let's start in uh, 2000. Why not 2006? Nathan Sturgis, Robbie Finley, Sean Franklin. We're going by years, right? So Sean Franklin in 2008, Omar Gonzalez in 2009. AJ Delagarza was second round in that one. Uh, 2010, Michael Stevens. All right. Uh, Paolo Cardozo in 2011. Tommy Meyer is the chat room. Fr- uh, That's favorite. another guy. Yeah. That's another guy. So 2012 MLS Cup winner, Tommy Meyer, right? Um, so Tommy Meyer in there. Charlie Rugg. Uh, remember Rookie of the Year, Charlie Rugg? I mean, he wasn't, but he should have been, right? Uh, Kyle Venter in 2014. Ignacio Maganto, Nacho Maganto in 2015. Josh Turnley in 2016. In 2017, the LA Galaxy said, we're not taking anybody. Can you believe the 2017 LA Galaxy didn't make a first round no, we're pick? Good. We're good. We're we good. We got it. Oh, you know, going back, that one's not friendly. 2018, Tomas Hilliard Arce. 2019, Emil Cuello. Uh, oh, 2020, Tom Smart, of course. 2021, Josh Drac, and 2022, Farai Mutatu. All right. So those are your first. And you got his name. You I got do. His name I have his name right. Here. I, I have to correct. I have to correct what I said earlier. Tommy, Tommy Meyer was actually the guy. Was okay. Okay. That's yeah. what that's what they were saying. They were saying it was the whole deal. So. But you um, see how it's how it's how it's lessened in importance when you the, the the first names you read. A lot of those guys were guys that did. Sean Franklin played on an MLS Cup winner. A lot of those guys contributed. Um, the later you got into that list 
the 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 less important those players became. Uh, I think that's it for what we have. Uh, obviously, a lot of stuff probably going to come out the rest of this week. Uh, but as we get closer to the Christmas holiday, things are going to get quieter. I do expect that it'll be fairly quiet between Christmas and January. Uh, we will not have a show next Monday because it's Christmas. So. Yeah, I know. I we're gonna have Santa. That's what I said. I told my wife. I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna do a podcast on Christmas," and she said, "Good luck with that." Uh, where would you like me to send your stuff, basically? Um, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Uh, that's not gonna happen." So there's a possibility if something happens that we'll do a Thursday show, which means you're not invited. Uh, a Thursday show, but after the first of the year, and as we get settled, we're going back to two shows Monday and Thursday uh, as we kick into the 2024 season. All right. Uh, what? Yeah. Wednesday schedule coming out. Uh, Wednesday's late, schedule late, coming up. Yep. yep. That'll so be important. Watch for that. There's also, I mean, can we start, let's, we're working on something. We're working on a live show. Uh, Kevin is, is working on a live show. I'm working on a live show. Uh, we're going to figure we're gonna out, try to do it together. We're going to, yeah, hopefully it's the same thing, uh, that you guys will be able to attend. I would expect that that is in February and I'll April let you tell it. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't want to say that because then it won't happen now. Because it'd be like, nope, it's okay. They're not going to do it. We're going, we're going to work on it. Okay, so we're trying. Um, so that's what we're gonna gonna do here. All right. So that's what we got. You can come by and see us in person. I personally look so much better in person. No, in worse, way worse. My my hairline gets longer in person though. I, that's what I've heard. Uh, the fanciest cat, by the way, twenty dollars super chat. Uh, 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 he lives close to me in Costa Mesa, so that's a Costa Mesa friend right there. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Um, I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday break. Uh, get some rest. Get some relaxation. Maybe turn off the thing from the LA Galaxy a little bit, and you know, go to the whole thing. <laughs> Live show at the Wiltern. Who says no? Yeah, I mean. You, that's what we just need. You know, our problem is we need stadiums. We, we're, we're a stadium tour here, Kevin. Not just, you know, you can't just put us in a hotel room. You yeah, know? you thought Taylor Swift was big. Wait till we take over. Wait till our stage is twice as big. Uh, and we'd sell twice as many seats at SoFi um, or something like that. So, Did yeah. you know Taylor Swift was in my neighborhood once? Really? I, I'm scared. When she, did that Valentine's Day, when she did that Valentine's Day movie many years ago, she acted uh, with Taylor Lautner, who went to Valencia High School down the street here with my son and they dated for a while, the two tailors. And so they had a date here at elephant bar once. It was a big deal. It was a big deal in Santa Clarita back then. Big deal. People still talk about it. Huge. They, they remember it fondly on the day it happens. There's, there's yeah. posts. Remember on Facebook when this happened, I was there. Um, yeah. This was like Santa Clarita's, you know, touch with greatness. I, I, that, that was it. That was as close that as they ever it. got. So, uh, very well. All right. Well, we hope everybody has a wonderful, uh, Christmas. Hope you have a wonderful, happy holiday season here as we round everything out. Uh, we will be back likely next week on a Thursday. Um, we'll get that in. I think Eric will, should be lined up for that. I'll, I'll double check just to make sure, but, uh, he wants to get on there. He wants to show you his nameplate that he has, cause he has one. We're going to share nameplates. Um, it's going to be really exciting. Uh, podcasting. Or is he going to show it? Oh, he's going to share it. I don't want to break it. That's his. That's his news right. to, to, to break and, and show. So uh, really glad that uh, everybody could join us. I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday. We're almost there to 2024, which is crazy. Um, I think good things could be coming for the Galley Galaxy. I feel really strongly that they're they're pointed in the right direction, but 19 players on the roster, there's still lots to add. So uh, we'll see where it all ends up here. Uh, Kevin, anything you want to add before we get out of here? Yeah, I hope I get better. Uh, but some, I bet some of our listeners do too. Just some, yeah. not all. Not all, for sure. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11latimes.com is where you can find all of his soccer writing. So please check that out, latimes.com and at kbaxter11. Looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. We have the rumor tracker up there. It is updated currently to where we sit and we're waiting 
other rumors. Uh, I think that's about it for everybody. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. Enjoy your time off. Enjoy your time with family. We appreciate you as our COG family. Uh, So from all of us here at Corner of the Galaxy, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Hope you guys have a wonderful one. All right. Uh, That does it for Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter. I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening. You've been watching Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.